welcome everyone, anyone who is joining either live or later um, to uh, Books and Shit Presents, that's what I've decided to call it, um, the Black Fantasy Giveaway live stream. Um, thank you for joining. Oh, here we go. Sorry. Hey, we've got Jessica. Hello. <laughs> um, thank you for, for joining. Um, this obviously is the live stream for a giveaway that we hosted two weeks ago um, to highlight some incredible writers and work in the black fantasy realm. We all just happen to be female, so it's almost like a, you know, vagina's rubbing, it's all good, you know, the, it's, it's, it's doing great right now. Um, you know, so it's a, a real collective sisterhood right now that we are welcoming you guys to. Um, so I will start off the introductions, just cause obviously hosting, being your moderator today. Um, I am Charlotte Murphy, aka Charlie Author. Um, the book in the collection that I'm uh, contributing is Wolves of Duty, which is a paranormal uh, drama fantasy. Um, my tagline is um, well, sorry, Black Panther meets Pride and Prejudice. Um, so if you've read it, great stuff. If you've not, I hope that entices you. Um, we'll go along. So to me, it's Montrez, Margaret, Shalina, Katrina. Jessica. So we'll go around like that and everybody just do their introductions if that's okay. All right, let's go. Montrez. Hey everybody, Montrez here. And if you love superheroes and sci-fi fantasy, I am your girl. Um, top shelf is what you're going to be getting. You're going to get my book Errant and Knockout with some character design if you win. Um, but yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Sci-fi superheroes and some slow burn romanticy that's coming. So Hello everyone, I am MJ. I write high action fantasy and sci-fi. Um, the book that you'll be getting from me will be Macario Scepter, which is the first book in my pirate fantasy. So think Pirates of the Caribbean meets Indiana Jones. So very high paced. There's even a treasure hunting nun in there. It's a super fun story. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm passing along. Hi everyone, I'm S. McPherson. I write young adult and new adult fantasy romance. Um, lately I've been doing more new adult and the latest book is called Fit for the Throne, which is probably my steamiest book as well. And uh, I'm working on the sequel right now. And basically my books include hope, heart, heat, and high paced, fast paced and high intense fantasy. That would be me passing it on. That was good y'all. <laughs> I got that my game up. Well, let me think. Uh, no. <laughs> I am Katrina and Lewis. Yes, I I use my government name. So that is me. You can find me on all social media that author KNL. And I write adult fantasy romance. And the book that I am donating to the giveaway is Heavy is the Head Love and War, which is book one to my uh, Heavy is the Head duology. It's romance, there's angst, there's all the good stuff. There's a little steam. Um, and then I have Love Bites this way coming out June 1st um so yeah and that is an adult vampire romance novella also skinny so I'm with you Shalina <laughs> passing it on <laughs> hello my name is Jessica Cage and I am an author of middle grade YA adult spicy fantasy I'm throughout fantasy whatever the age I'm there um <laughs> The giveaway book that I'm doing today is Tales of Novia. It is a collection of stories inspired by TikTok creators. 
um, that talks about the power of influence. So when, what one nosy little fairy does actually uh, sparks a chain reaction that ends up threatening their entire world. So that's me. Cool beans. Thank you so much for your introductions. Um, now, quickly, I just want to point out that there are and will be 12 books that the winner will receive, even though there are not 12 of us. Now, <laughs> at the moment, this is some people, uh, the timing didn't work out correctly. Um, just little things with techie stuff. So you will receive all um, 12 books, even though there's only six of us at the moment. Um, if we get some more entries because of the time and stuff, that person will join in, but just so you know. Um, secondly, I will say, I let the other guys know, but I am a little bit drunk. So if I <laughs> am just a bit like over the top, please ignore me because <laughs> I feel hot right now. Okay. Um, and the third thing is we do have a comment section on um, YouTube if you are obviously watching live with us. So any questions you might have for the ladies um, or myself or just anything about what we're discussing, please feel free to post in the comment section. Um, we've got one comment um, at the moment that says, I love Errant. And that's from Tina Capricorn. So fun stuff. Was it? clicks yeah for for Montrez with the with the errand so we're clicking girl we love it we love it um so yeah if you want to share anything with us then please do so um we're gonna go straight into the questions um you know feel free to jump in once you um once you've seen the question and if you want to contribute um it says uh, diversity is important in fantasy why do why did you choose to represent it in your particular way um we'll go round the other way so we'll start with jessica and go the other way around um and you know just a few little bits on you know what your stories are about and as the question why did you choose to to show your diversity in that way okay let's go oh okay my turn <laughs> um so I grew up in a household that was with my grandmother, who was the book nerd, and my mother, who was like the sci-fi fantasy queen. She didn't read it, but she had all the movies and, you know, shows or whatever. Um, and so it just kind of was like a blend of writing and like my, my love of fantasy came from them. But when I would ingest these stories, whether they were in books or on the screen... And I live, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. So like I go outside, I'm like, these stories don't look like my neighborhood. They don't look like my city. Um, my mother made sure that we were in all areas of diversity. So we saw a lot of different walks of life. And then I would go back to this little, this genre that I loved. I'm like, what, where is, where are they? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so then when I started writing, it was inspired by, um, well, when I started writing to publish, I'll say that it was inspired by like watching my my younger cousins like love this Twilight vampire, you know, fanatic stuff. And it's just like this one little girl who's like got all these men telling her what she's supposed to be feeling. And I was like, that is not how life works. So my first story was a, a was a story of an alien race of vampires, but it was a it was focused on five black women at different stages of like their growth and power. And there were no men telling them how they felt or what they were supposed to do, okay? <laughs> it was all about like, how do we come into our power on our own? And then exploring that from five different um, minority characters because they were all black, Afro, Latina, you know what I mean? So it was like, let's represent the world that I see and then let's give uh, young women a realistic uh, version of how you come into your own power. 
love that love that love that thank you for for that sharing because i think a lot of our um, responses will be the the representation part so thank you very much jess um katrina you're next up yeah um very similar experience so i grew up really loving disney i was like a disney girl like the fairy tales the prince and finding love and hope and all that stuff um and my dad he's a big sci-fi nerd and my mom she's more horror so maybe not my mom but <laughs> she um i mean i um grew up just like not seeing myself in these places in these spaces um again i was a twilight hard i love twilight i loved like you know the different fantasy romantic things that i saw on tv and it just like never was someone who looked like me um and i just like literally got tired of it i can remember i always tell this story because i attribute it to my dad and i went up to him i think it was like a vampire book maybe a fairy book and i was like dad like how come there are no black or brown characters in these books i had to be like 12 maybe and he was just like well i mean if you want to change it you got to be the change you got to do what you want to see um and after that i was just like oh all right bet like i'm start writing these books <laughs> so yeah the representation piece was like really really big for me sorry i was mid swallow but i totally get that <laughs> not mid swallow charlie <laughs> let's not start that kind of conversation okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tipsy. Oh my God. Right. So no, that was wonderful. Um, like you said, if you be the change you want to see, totally get that. Uh, Shalina up next, what was your take for how you represent the way you do? So in mine, I mean, I guess a lot of us can have a similar thing. We grew up loving this genre, but didn't see many of ourselves in it. Like, yeah, I would read Twilight, of course, was like a big one. Um, even the Harry Potter series, stuff like that for me. And again, there wasn't much representation of people like me in them. And I like I enjoyed them. I loved them, but didn't necessarily feel that connected or relate in any way. And it was just like, yeah, there's this lack of representation. There was very little diversity of any kind um, in the books, but I absolutely loved them. So I kind of just wanted to see more of myself but not just me so i think growing up in dubai it's a very international place and it's very multicultural there's like every race and religion and all these things so it's kind of just always been the norm and it's never been a thing and i feel like a lot of the books that i read that were black or diverse kind of always centered around race and i just wanted a nice story um, <laughs> that wasn't the right race and they could just do all the nice fun things and have a fantasy realm and fight dragons and do all the fun things without it being about race so i try to include like a lot of diverse characters in my books and just have them be themselves just just to be so yeah i think growing up here kind of helped that along um, and that was kind of my motivation to just have more of like my experience growing up in my books yeah 100% totally love that just being the race thing we'll go on to that with other questions I think we've got but just that idea of being black or other or brown or latina just isn't an issue is was a big thing for me as well so uh Margaret you're up next yes I'm so so glad you brought that up because that was a major thing for me too um I grew up in New York so it was also a very multicultural place and I had a lot of multicultural friends and we all like to read the same books. It was a lot of fantasy and sci-fi books. And even when we were in elementary school, we would write books that would like feature us. You know, we would write like our own books and that used to be really fun. 
Um, and now as an adult, having my own young children and, and my 11 year old in particular, like devours books. And she also comes to me asking for, you know, recommendations on books. And I want to try to find books that feature her. Um, so that was definitely a driver for me, but also it took a lot of inspiration from Shonda Rhimes. I loved Grey's Anatomy and private practice. And, you know, like the others were saying, race wasn't a thing. It was like, if you had a character, she could be anybody or he could be anybody, but just happened to be a person of color. So they were smart, they were driven, they were brave. Oh, and they happen to be black and oh, they happen to be Asian. Oh, they happen to be Hispanic. So that's the approach that I take with the books that that I write um, in a genre that I love. I grew up watching Indiana Jones and Star Wars and Star Trek. Both of my parents were really super big nerds on that. So that's kind of the inspiration to take from that. But diversity to me is super important. And I want to see it just as normal as just normal characters and not saying they're necessarily black or they're necessarily Hispanic and not have it to be focused around race. They're just, like she said, doing the things that they love to do, having fun, falling in love, getting their heart broken, going on adventures and all that kind of fun stuff. So that's the approach I take with my writing. Totally agreed on that one. No comment, just agreed. <laughs> Montrez, you go. <laughs> hey everyone. So, um, yeah, we were another household that was just sci-fi, you know, like when sci-fi, they had like Saturdays and then just in general, um, my dad was into comics. So I fell in love with X-Men and actually superheroes actually started um, kind of my journey for writing and inspired it because what I loved about the X-Men was how one character might not be your thing, but there was a character in there for everybody. And the X-Men were very diverse. You had Storm, you had all these different characters. And to see how they could bring just like a whole community of people together where you can get lost in for hours talking about these characters, that's something that I wanted to incorporate in my writing. And so um, just having that natural representation where you, people come from all walks of life. And, and then knowing too that you know, as a black woman, we're not a monolith. As black people, we're not a monolith. It's not just, we're not just one thing. We don't have just one experience. And even the, if, if we have similar experiences, we don't all turn out the same way. And so I really wanted to show, because I feel like, especially with traditional publishing, they only show us in a certain light or in a certain way in certain stories. And so I wanted to celebrate just how different and beautiful we all are um, so I have characters that I feel like we don't talk much about, especially in Black rep representation. We're not all loud. We're not all like sassy sidekicks. Some of us are quiet. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are sensitive. Some of us are nerdy. Some of us can't dance, you know? So just combating those stereotypes. I can't dance, you know? <laughs> So just combating little things like that and just showing the nuances and the beauty in our culture because we're not a monolith and everybody deserves to see themselves no matter how they look, how they live or what they like. And I just want to include that. No, thank you for that. That's definitely a massive one. Like we're not just all one thing. We might have a lot of um, shared experiences. I know when I talk to Katrina and stuff and we will say certain quote unquote black things and it's just like, we are 
thousands of miles apart, but we've all done the same thing. We've all done the cookout and we've all done the the Sunday Baptist church thing. Like there are certain things that are very quintessentially black or quintessentially um, Latino or brown. Like we get all of that, but it's not the be all and end all for everybody. And I think that's truly important. Um, for lastly, for my book, um, one thing that I did want to add um, on top of everybody else's really great point is that mine was a conscious effort to not have a struggle narrative. Um, so the big thing about representation, all that good stuff was true. I'm obviously the British one in the group. Um, you know, Shalina is British by way of Dubai, so it's a little bit different. Um, but no, I obviously grew up, grew up in and around the classics. So everything about, you know, Tolkien and, um, you know, Jane Austen, all this kind of elements of fantasy or romance was, you know, very much about that British culture. And none of that featured black or brown people. But when it did, she or he was um, a servant of some kind or, you know, had been brought over from somewhere because this is 18 whatever. So they obviously have to be a slave. And, you know, there was just this kind of thing. So when I've decided to write Wolves, my main thing was just that these people were going to be black and they were going to be beautiful. They were going to be unapologetically black. And it was going to be a sense of, yes, the word or hashtag black excellence. They were all going to be rich, educated, um, intelligent, smart, just, you know, of a high caliber, which I really wanted to um, feature and that their problems were personal and you know emotional and all these other things not anything to do with them being black and anything to do with them being brown and even the world that they live in the continent they're on is just the I guess the Africa of my world in the sense of that's the hub of black people but it's not to say that if they leave their continent and go to say the Europe of their world it's <gasps> how is this Nubian here? Like, no, we know they live and we know they exist. Like they're not, it's not a shock to, for them to be here, which really irritates me when I read certain things. It's like, oh, they're black and they're in here, but it's still, how are you here? Kind of, no, <laughs> these people just exist. And that was really important to, to, to me. That was what I wanted to represent in, in my way. Um, moving swiftly along, um, I moved the questions about a bit because um, I think, I think it was Shalina. Sorry, I've lost it now. Um, either Shalina or Montrez mentioned about the uh, traditional publishing element. So I'm going to go with this question that Katrina did for us. What role can self-publishing play in ensuring diverse voices are heard and represented in the publishing industry? Um, how should we do this one? So let's start with Margaret and go down and along and up and down. Let's mess it up. Let's do that. Um, so, yeah. Questions on the bottom, let us know what you think of that. Sounds good. I think self-publishing definitely plays a huge role in making sure diver diverse voices are heard because there aren't any gatekeepers, right? And not only are there aren't any gatekeepers, but we are also our own entrepreneurs. We are our own business people. So it's not also managing the creative, but also managing the business, which I feel like puts an edge over people who are traditionally published and may not necessarily have to handle the business side of it. I know a lot of times people think self-publishing is, is easy or it's like the easiest route because there is no gatekeepers, but it's a full-time job. It can, le it can legit be a full-time job, right? <laughs> you know, and, 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 and not only ensuring our voices are heard, but making sure that we are marketable in the marketplace too, like giving people 
you know, what they want to see, but in a way that is in our voice. So I think self-publishing definitely paved the way. And as we get more and more advanced and, and indie publishers, because when I started, it was, you know, self-publishers, but now it's more of that indie route, right? Which I think, I think it's a little bit better. I think it's, it's a little bit better than self-publishing. Um, but I think that it, it really helps us establish ourselves, not only as authors, but also as entrepreneurs and also as a brand, which I think is also really important too. Thank you, Margaret. Definitely all the good stuff. Branding is a big one, but I, I want to touch on that a bit obviously later when we get to Jessica, because we're all very much aware that Jessica has the kind of biggest reach of all of us. So that is going to be a big thing to kind of discuss as to how you got to kind of that stage in your thing, but we'll, we'll get there later. Um, uh, Shalina, you're good. Um, so yeah, a lot of what Margaret's already said. Um, basically, I would say that the, without the gatekeeper, it just opens doors to us. We can find our target audience through social media and then we can, you know, put the things out there that we know that they will relate to because we relate to it. And then, you know, they can come along with us on the journey of it. And then when the book comes out, they can go ahead and buy it. And Amazon has, you know, made that very easy for us to set that up and, you know, get the things done. Obviously it takes a lot of work and there's a lot that goes into it, but it's a way that we can get our voices out there without being like, oh no, that's too black. Or, you know, how about you throw in this character that's a bit more widely acceptable or anything like that. It's, it's a bit more flexible and free and just gives us that avenue and a direct connection to our target audience who want to read those books. So I think that's definitely a way that self-publishing has helped. That would be my take on it. Um, Montrez, we're going that way. So Montrez, what do you think? So I, I want to say the biggest answer is creative control. We, you know, um, pretty much what everyone else has been saying, but you don't have somebody looming over you saying, hey, change that. You don't have enough spice in it or no one's going to understand that or people don't want that. So you don't have kind of like, I don't want to say that negativity, but you don't have that filter. You have more of a freedom to be as different and as raw or, you know, whatever you want to be. And I think that with self-publishing, you can fill those gaps and those holes that um, that traditional publishing has left. Like, I feel like traditional publishing, they find something and then they just copy and paste it. Um, they're, I want to say they're kind of lazy. And so, and so I think self-publishing, um, especially when we're able to produce those quality works that people really enjoy and that they find and it really resonate that sends a message to, to traditional publishing hey step up your game this is you know people want more than what you're providing and a lot of times you'll find that um, traditional publishers will try to snag up um, successful independent authors and traditionally republish their work or publish their future works and so I think what we offer is that fresh voice you know we kind of can make the um, mainstream more alive with fresher works that people want to see that maybe they didn't know they wanted or that uh, readers have been asking for that the mainstream publishing just isn't providing. And I think that's the fun. We can experiment and we can, we have the freedom to kind of do what we want that we've seen just wasn't offered. Sorry, I keep, I keep forgetting to unmute, but yes, agreed. Definitely hear you. Um, Katrina, you're up next. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with, um, all these ladies here. I think another big piece is, and Montrez touched on it beautifully, 
um, is it's us telling our own stories in the way that we want to tell them. Um, and doing so, we can, you know, kind of, I banged on a, my table. I was getting passionate there and the computer started shaking. Um, and doing so, we can kind of like change the narrative of what is, um, you know, published, what audiences want to see. You know, there's this, this narrative that Black stories don't sell. Um, and we know that that is not true whatsoever. Um, so our self-published voices help debunk those things because we're all here, we're all successful, um, and we're telling stories that we want to see, that we know audience do audiences do want to see and they want to consume and want to buy. Um, so yeah, that creative control, that being able to tell our stories our own way um, and pushing against sometimes what the traditionally published narrative is about Black stories, because as we know, as we see in our libraries and, you know, online on Amazon, Black books typically center around race or teaching white people how not to be racist. Um, <laughs> and that is not all of what we want to see or write or hear about. Um, so self-publishing definitely helps add diversity to, you know, what we all love and enjoy, books. Definitely giving clicks, giving clicks, giving clicks. Um, what I wanted to touch on is, um, excuse my fuzzy brain, but Katrina did obviously mention it, is the kind of part about, oh, that's it, saying there's not a space um, for black fantasy. And again, coming from a British perspective, one of the, the kind of conversations that I have with Katrina a lot and just to other people is that there is a there's a divide anyway and then you know uh, an issue with distribution and stuff just across the the board across the, the the business um but also between regions so for example you guys being all american or three of the four of the five of you will get your your evan winters and your tracy dion's and you'll get them in hardcover as in that will just be in your Barnes and Nobles and, you know, as in you guys have a much bigger spectrum of black fantasy than we do over here. So when we get it, it's either not done in hardcover, like it doesn't get that run. We only get the paper. We only get the paperback. So when it comes to, I'll go on TikTok and, you know, you fall into a hole of black TikTok or whatever it is. And there's all these books that I have legitimately never heard of. And there is a whole world of black American women who are devouring this shit. And it's like, oh my gosh, because I want to be devouring it too, but I don't know it exists. So as much as there's a divide just as a publishing industry, it's so frustrating being over here because there are books that I want to know about that I would like to read that I am definitely interesting that is for me, quote unquote, but are not being given to me. And this is a massive, massive problem because that's a, that's a marketing thing. That's a money being invested in pushing it into crowds that will want to read it, that will, that are interested in it kind of thing. Like, a big example we are all watching Queen Charlotte right now anyone who is not watching Queen Charlotte I don't know where you've been okay <laughs> but because that has come off the back of Bridgerton which admittedly that's the guys and we know Shonda wrote it and that's wonderful she's she's just the queen at the minute but obviously that's come off what was initially kind of a white 
platform in terms of the 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 setting and all that that kind of stuff it's just been cool that they've put colored people in it and whatever you know like it's still it was still a bit of a fad if we can admit that and that is frustrating because it's just like oh so you've put something in this platform and now suddenly it's acceptable and now off the back of that which is good it will be pushed out more and brown is cool and black is cool and all of these things are cool but it's just like we have to wait for an almost bigger platform to say yay before everybody gets to to see it and that was just my main when Katrina was talking that was just my main thought because I see so many books from amazing writers um even and she's going to come after me so I'm going to mention Jessica I'd not been aware of Jessica's platform even though it's quite big but Katrina introduced me to to her and her work and this kind of thing because Katrina's American and there's almost like a little American bubble that I wasn't privy to but then through this in this um giveaway sorry I've now met other people and I followed them and now I've seen this whole world that did not exist to me two weeks ago I did not see any of this two weeks ago and that is absolutely shocking like for me personally because I guess I could do the work to find it but also that's not what was being thrown at me fourth wing is being thrown at me Akatar is being thrown at me all of this other shit is being thrown at me but not the thing I want to see um so that was my thing I went on but Jessica you're up next with the um your response I feel like I shouldn't speak now because of the Queen Charlotte. Like I've never <laughs> seen any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm over here watching sorry. Demon Slayer. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. watch it. It's great. We watch Demon Slayer too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I would say that the the role that we play as indie publishing or self-publishing authors is that we have a conversation with the readers, right? I feel like publishers, they wait for trends to happen. They wait for, you know, and then, oh, wait, now people want to have Black magical girls. Let's go get that, right? But indie authors, most of us started off as just readers in general, right? We didn't start off as a publisher who had to fill a quota, right? We just were readers and we saw a need. But we didn't leave the reading side alone. Like we all have a TBR that will never end. We all have our, you know, reading buddies. We're still in conversations with people. We're still listening to what people want. Um, it's just kind of like with the trigger warnings. You know what I mean? Like years ago, trick people weren't putting trigger. I had a book. I was like, I'm not putting no trigger warning. But then we in these conversations, we listen to the readers, and they're like, Yo, I really can't take it. My mental, like, I want to read the book, but I need to know ahead of time. And that was a big thing, right? But now every book comes with like a, a intro of all the possible triggers and content warnings because we listen to our audience, right? It's the same thing with diversity. We are having the conversations like someone mentioned like, okay, they they black, they just happen to be black. That's how my stories are. I've had people come to me like, girl, these characters, I don't even know, they, they're not black enough. I'm like, baby, those are me and my friends. If we're not black enough, I don't know what to tell you because that's not who we are, you know what I mean? So it's like, we're having the conversation, we're, we're involving the readers in a lot of these projects. Like the when my Tales of Novia, my readers named the locations. We were on TikTok Live together. You know, they were sending me people to inspire different, you know, um, characters and stuff. So it's this conversation that we're having day to day with the audience that really gives us the impact that I believe is shifting, you know, what traditional publishing is trying to do now. And like they're, now they're scrambling, trying to catch up with what we're just doing naturally. Cool. 
sorry, unmute again. No, totally, totally agree. Like even with uh, what you mentioned at the end about, you know, if we're not black enough for you kind of thing. Um, you know, I've had uh, people say to me about wolves, um, my friend, I think she might be online actually. Um, I forget they're black is a, is a um, sentence I get. I didn't realize what they look like. And I'm like, okay, when you read white books, do you forget that they white? Like, <laughs> do you question or wonder, oh yeah, they white, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll remember. Like, what? <laughs> Nobody does that. <laughs> Nobody does that real. So that uh, misconception that you're supposed to kind of do that when you're reading black people is where, even as a readers, when we're reading other things, where we can get a bit like, that's not really. <laughs> that's not really yeah. true for life so sticking with what is real to and for us is so important because I think I said at the the top of the show we have a lot of um shared experiences but where we then get the ones that are a bit different is where the fun can can come in um I put up some comments from what uh you know a few of you have said um Aya has said I tried to get the special edition of We Are Origin and that is one of the books that is available in the giveaway um by sorry I forgot what's Chelsea's last name I was gonna say Melanin but that's her fucking last part <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I'm stuck on everybody's usernames, but yes, Chelsea Lockhart, that's one of the books that are available. Um, she said that the shipping fees were triple the price of the book. And yes, yeah, we, we haven't got all the money, so things like that will be a deterrent for some people. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just want to say really quickly, I can remember when you, Charlie, wanted to get special editions of certain books, and it was our time difference. I would literally wake up, she'd be like, Katrina, wake up. The special edition is available. I need a, I need a U.S. address. Can I use yours? And I'm like, yes, just just buy the book, Charlie. But like that experience of what she was talking about is very. We've done it on a number of occasions at this point of her trying to access or tap into this U.S. fantasy market that isn't accessible to people not in the United States. Um, and then another really quick point. Because, you know, I'm a graduated sociology degree, so my head always goes to, like, this sociological standpoint. Uh, when you mentioned that um, sometimes readers will say, oh, not Black enough, or um, I forgot that they were Black. I think that us being self-published authors and writing books to where, you know, readers forget that the characters are Black or, you know, didn't realize how Black they were. The idea of that a character like white, what I'm basically trying to say, white is the the default. So whenever we're reading something, even though we may not consciously do it, our default is well, no, my, not my default. My default is she's a black queen. She got she <laughs> she got braids. She got a fro. But most people's defaults, I am um, presuming here, are that the characters are white. Um, but I think it's just such a beautiful thing to hear someone who's picked up this incredibly black ass book in Wolves, because Wolves is black, blackity black. And for someone to say, I forgot that they were black. I'm like, wow, that really changes like the idea of this white being the, the default or, oh, I didn't describe her or the character in such description. Oh, she had chocolate skin and caramel macchiato hair. That's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just thought that that was really beautiful to, to read this incredibly black book and to say, I forgot they were Black because that was their default. Oh, their default was, this, this book is incredible. I didn't even re remember what their race was. 
Um, so yeah, just wanted to happen to say that. And sorry, I just want to add for the special editions, I use this thing called Shop and Ship by Aramex. So uh, you do have to pay. Uh, I mean, it's free to get, and it gives you an address in the US. It gives you an address in the UK, because obviously I'm in Dubai. It gives you an address like all over the world. And then you can use that, and it's the same cost as if shipping locally, because it's that address. But then you do have to pay for them to ship to wherever you actually are. But it, depending on what you're getting, it's actually not too bad. So just for anyone that's wondering, that's how I do it. I go through Shop and Ship, Aramix. That is awesome. Well, let me know the, obviously, link of that, and I'll put it in the description of the, um the live and stuff so if anyone wants to check that out later so thank you um okay. we've, someone, we've got someone joining us hold on hello <laughs> we've got R.A. Moreau joining us today how are you can she hear us I'm not sure she can but once you hear us let us know how you're doing um <laughs> so um I'm just going to go back to the comments while she sorts that um out so we had someone say uh, that was tina capricorn she said she didn't know about that about uk publishing so that's another thing just that lack of understanding on both sides so when people are like oh you haven't read this girl i didn't know about this <laughs> so you know don't don't judge um and then what did she say it's always in paperback Ooh, it's always in paperback and we never get nice covers we always get a bit of a shit cover i'm sorry guys but we do um Janine uh, Batiste says, I used to think I had to only write just white neurotypical characters. And my first series I tried writing had that default. Glad I changed that for my current series. Yep, Shalina, did you want to say something? Yeah, 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 go, go, go. I was just saying that I did the same thing for my first series. The lead lady was white and then she had a black best friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say any of you that have read Antonidi's Legacy, I went with the, um, what's that word? Uh, palatable Black. And I don't mean that to be judgmental at any point, but she was, you know, she was golden and she was light skinned and she had curly hair and her eyes were green. And it was all this kind of thing that she was just balancing on this level of racial ambiguity. I, I did that as well. I definitely did that as well. And when I started with Wolves, I was just like, no, we're not doing that. And that's not to say that we don't have our wonderful light-skinned queens as well. Yes, we do. Um, but it was just the idea that you had to write uh, a female character of this hue to make it more, as I said, palatable for people to accept. And I think we all kind of went through that stage of, you know, is she too dark? Like, you know, we can't really do that kind of thing. So that's important to, to share. Um, Janine has also said, my family does a similar method, send it to a mainland family member and then send to another land. So yes, this is in terms of shipping and that kind of thing. So if anybody's got any, um, you know, hacks and stuff, let us know. Um, and last comment just before our next question, uh, for a weird time, a lot of people associated black fantasy with African authors very true which as a reader was frustrating because authors who didn't have african sounding names so they weren't being promoted okay i think i see where you're going with that um, yes absolutely yeah. my name is hello american <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no yeah. one thinks you know heavy is the head has any type of like african inspired mythology yes uh, yes she is yes i felt that I felt that in my chest. <laughs> no, I, um, the, the African thing was a big one for me writing Wolves as well, um, because I have a Caribbean background. I'm Jamaican. So a lot of the fantasy that I did uh, get exposed to early on was kind of West African 
based, um, you know, which was wonderful in itself. There's actually no issue there. It was just more like I felt like only West Africanness was blackness and it was being pushed down my throat, whether it was children of blood and bone or a psalm of, oh gosh, a psalm of something, something, Roseanne Brown. or Raves and Ruin, thank you very much. Um, you know, there were just a few titles that it was, you know, Black meant African Orisha mythical lore. And as beautiful as that was to learn, any type of genre, if you get too much of it, it's now overkill. And there are other ways to, to you know, to embrace Blackness. A big example being uh, MJ McGriff. So Margaret uh, Macario Scepter is pirates. It's a pirate adventure with black people i want pirates i don't always want to be in dusty savannah i want pirates bitch like let's do pirates let's do mermaids let's do all that stuff and Not you know, dusty savannah <laughs> you know it's just always hot like it's just always hot and to mean where black means it has to be sand and it's just like okay maybe they might live in the Bronx like come on it doesn't have to be sad um but no that point with with Io is is really true um oh we've got some comments here so we'll go through um I like African mythology based fantasy honestly but there's a lot more fantasy that can be done as well we are all in agreement uh Ray Bearer Yes, I've read that duology I wasn't a fan I'm sorry um but I did read that duology which is good um, we've got some wrecks here. Wings of Ebony. I've not started, but that's on my shelf. Um, and then lastly, it feels very West Indian, honestly, regarding the Magian series. Oh, there you go. So, Margaret, do you want to let us know a bit about Pirates since you've touched on it now? Yeah, because, you know, my experience, I have an Afro-Latina background. So my mother was Black, but she was born and raised in Cuba and came over here. So I'm the first American born here in my family. So we had all shades speaking Spanish and living in New York, that was normal. But then I moved to North Carolina and I'm like, that's not normal, you know? So that I wanted to honor that because I didn't see a lot of that. They're black, but there can also be some Caribbean influences. There can be Caribbean influence on the Spanish side, um, especially with my treasure hunting nun because Cubans were raised Catholic. So like, you know, people don't think that Catholics can be black, you know, so that is my experience with, with that. So I wanted to make sure that I highlighted that and I celebrated that and, and having all those different shades and, and mythologies and all of that was, was super important to me. So that's why, yes, it has that West Indian and people forget that Cuba is part of the Caribbean. So they think Cuba is kind of like separate from the rest of the Caribbean, but you go to the Caribbean, there's Jamaicans, there's Haitians, there's people of Asian descent, because a lot of Chinese used to hang out in the islands as well. So you have that mix in there too. So like we were saying at the top, we are not a monolith. We are so many different things. And I'm glad that we're able to write the stories that can highlight and celebrate those. No, definitely agree. Thank you so much. Like you said, Cuba is in the West Indies. It's like you can take a boat from Jamaica, which I have done, which is which is wonderful. Um, before we kind of move on with some other things, um, as I said, um, R.A. Moreau, can you hear us now? It's a bit delayed, but oh, we can't hear you. Oh, unmute. No, we can't hear you. Oh, it's not going to work. Well, once you work out your 
audios and stuff we'll do a quick introduction review obviously because you've joined a little bit late um but um her book is obviously um available for the giveaway which we are going to reveal the winner of in just a few moments um janine batiste says my own writing tends to be more based on futurism as well as tropical based settings like the west indies caribbean big up big ups big ups um io says a really nice mermaid book is my oh who's that oh is that the delayed audio Yes, we can hear you now. Love it. Welcome. Hi, Hello. <laughs> we'll pause the comments for the moment. Hold on, let me just take this off, darling. Um, we'll pause the comments for the moment. So you can say hi, welcome. Introduce yourself. Hi, You're yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I'm so sorry I'm late. I think my brain has been melting this week and I just assumed, I think, you know, thought it was at 9 p.m. <laughs> Pacific Standard, but it's not. Anyways, um, I'll introduce myself. My name is R.A. Moreau. I am a new uh, indie author, and the book that's included in this set for me is The Fall of Souls, which is a Nubian fantasy romance. So um, definitely understood where you guys were coming from on the, the, the African mythology. I feel like I felt tied to that in my first novel, but I'm, I think I'm going to move away from that moving forward. So um, yeah, I couldn't get off a of mute though, but figured it out. So happy to be here. Hi, everybody. <laughs> no, welcome. Thank you so, so much for, for joining. Obviously, we've, we're all in these crazy time zones. So thank you so much for taking taking the time. Um, we were just going through some of the comments quickly, but then we're going to go into like a bit of the fun question and then we'll do the winner reveal and I think we'll, we'll be done. Um, but it says, sorry, Io says, a really nice mermaid book is by a British Trinidadian that I've forgotten her name, but she also doesn't get named. The Mermaid of Black Couch or Conch? So we'll, I'll Google that and put that in the description. So if anyone wants to check that out, that is good. Um, Janine Baptiste says she has Caribbean influences, influences as well as Filipino, um, as well as June is Caribbean Heritage Month. I did not know that. So I might plan some, you know, content for social media. And lastly, um, Alyssa or Elisa Brown says Afrofuturism can't be beat. I dig that. I mean, depending how people feel about AI at the minute, I've seen some wonderful AI art in terms of Afrofuturism. Um, and as I said, we won't go down that thing against AI for AI, blah, 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 blah. It, you know, that's not a fight we're trying to have today. Um, but it does it does look pretty cool. Um, let's go on to our next question. So what I thought was a fun one that Katrina gave us was... How do you approach writing romance in a fantasy setting? Any unique challenges while doing this? Because a lot of our books are based around a romance or, you know, black romanticy. Um, some of people do spice, some don't. Spicier than others. How do you feel? Because um, you've just joined us, we'll let uh, Moreau go first, R.A. Moreau go first, um, and just let us know how you approach the the romance element of your, of your book. Sure. I think... Um one of the challenges that I find, I mean, being that I've only written one novel and currently working through the second, um, I think the most challenging part for me with a fantasy romance is kind of like making sure that that like action plot line is lining up nicely and timing with the romance plot line. I feel like when you read just a romance novel, it's a lot easier because you, you know what to expect as a reader. Like it's, you, it's a romance. The, the end goal is 
they get together. Um, but when you're doing a fantasy romance, there's also that extra layer of like, there's some kind of like event happening in the background or maybe even in the foreground, depending on what you're doing. Um, but I think that's, I tend to kind of plot them separately um, to make sure that the timing of those is how I want it to be. It, they might not match one for one, but plotting out my like fantasy action through line and then also plotting out my romance through lines separately from each other helps me a lot, but it's also really challenging. So I think that's, that's kind of how I view that. Thank you so, so much. Um, who wants to go next? Um, should we go around that way? Jessica, and then we'll go Katrina, Shalina, Margaret, Montrose. Um, I really don't put a big emphasis on romance. I, don't really care for it that much. I feel like there's too much going on. One of the things that always bothers me or that used to bother me more so than now is like this big romance that's supposed to be happening while the world is ending. And I'm like, girl, you don't have time to be thinking about none of that. You know what I mean? And even with my Siren series, uh, which is a urban mermaid story, the character is like, y'all trying to get me to pick a boyfriend. Like I'm trying to run from my daddy. He's trying to kill me. You know what I mean? Like I don't got time for this. So a lot of the times if there is romance, it's very minimum and it's like in the background and readers will cling to the little bit of like, oh my God, they're in love. Like I had one, one character, two characters kiss one time and I still get people emailing me like, they kissed. Oh my God. It's so and I'm like, okay, whatever. But the dragon is about to burn everybody. Like that's more important. Um, so it's there, but I don't really, I might sprinkle, sprinkle with it, but I don't really go too deep into it. So <laughs> Sorry, I really enjoyed that. I'm loving the whole way through because it's so true. Um, sorry, not to cut obviously the way it's gonna go round, but I was literally speaking to Katrina the other day about I was just like, girl, like romance is popping off. I need to write a romance. <laughs> what do you mean? Like you've written romance, you've written fantasy. It's me, no, it's not the same because wolves for me is about the drama and it's about you know the the politics dropping down and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. There's a sexy guy in it and you doing it. But that's not what's important, my guy. Like, let's put this to the side. So, you know, I'm here with you on that one. <laughs> I do love the romance. I'm the first one to just latch on to, they gonna kiss, they gonna kiss. Like, I'm, I'm ready. But in terms of my writing, I am much more the drama plot based as opposed to the romance side. So I just, I just thought that was really, really funny. Thank you um, for that. Katrina, the queen of romancy. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I try, I'm... Y'all know me. I'm a pantser. I'm I'm trying to be reformed here, you know, and plot some things out. But um, <laughs> it is a struggle. Um, so you said trying to match up the the drama, world ending portions with you know, the fantasy. I mean, the romance, the kisses, the the stolen glances. Um, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, no. I I wish I had a better answer. I am really like. I'm really, a ref I'm trying to be a reformed pantser. I'm trying to outline things now <laughs> so that I don't have to make it make sense so much later down the line um, because that's what I've been doing. Like I have, I'm about to go into astrology. I am a Sagittarius, but Gemini energy in my, my big three. So I could be, <laughs> um, I could be shoot from the hip, but um. But yeah, no, I wish I had a better answer. I'm 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 a pantser. I just I make it make sense at the end. 
<laughs> oh, I love you so much. Lena, you're going. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, for me, I love fantasy. Fantasy is my ultimate, ultimate favorite. But romance is like a very, very close second. So I love them to overlap. Um, like I said, my first series was my safer series. So it was less steamy. It had the Caucasian main character and all that kind of stuff. But as I've gotten more comfortable and confident in my writing, my series has progressed. Of course, now we have black main characters and love interests and stuff like that. Um, and for me, I love enemies to lovers. So for me usually the fantasy and the romance are very closely entwined because they're your enemy in this death-defying stunt and fighting on dragons and stuff. But, oh no, you're falling in love with the person that's trying to kill you on Back of the Dragon. So I love them to be really closely entwined. And I always think of the conflict first, I would say, of like, okay, you like this person, but what is the fantastical element that is going to keep you apart? And how are you going to overcome it? And what is going to happen and in fantasy? anything can happen so i just love the expanse of it the stakes are always higher in the romance the will they won't they that kind of always impacts it as well because again the world is ending and they're your enemy probably usually um so yeah that that would be my angle of how can i tie them in together but they can't be together and then another trope that i love is also the mate trope which is something that you don't get in contemporary obviously it's a fantasy trope so sometimes it's also like well maybe your mate is your enemy and that's another fun little fantasy twist on romance so that's yeah i love that kind of aspect of it oh no oh, i'm still not muted um no that's wonderful i definitely agree with that one um margaret your go how do you approach the the fantasy real quick thing? ask me sagittarius is a lifestyle it is <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. I am so on with Jessica on this one because I am not big on the romance either. I, I like, I, I need things to blow up. I need things to be falling apart. I need like big battle scenes, but I will say the fantasy that I do, the romance that I do write in the fantasy though, my favorite has to be enemies to lovers because I'm like, okay, let me start them out totally hating each other. And what is the most unlikely pair like in Macario Scepter this is like they were exes and they have to work together like they they were left like he left her and they have to come back and work together okay now go you know so that I can kind of do and I make my characters work for their romances at the end so there's really not a um, a steamy factor or an instant love or we're faded and I think the cheeriest thing I have going on, I think, is in the follow-up book in the Secret Library where, you know, the nice character gets her love interest, but it's the guy who's trying to arrest her. So there's still, <laughs> there's still some conflict in there, you know, but for me, romance is hard. If you need me to write a battle scene, a fight scene, somebody's dying, something's blowing up, I can bang it out all day. Romance, I'll be on that scene for like two weeks. It's hard. <laughs> It's hard for me, but I like reading it though. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you you've said it's hard, but I've read Macario Scepter, and I'm sorry that like enemies to lovers is obviously the basis of the trope, mm -hmm. but that X is I still love him. I don't know if he loves me, but I'm not gonna admit it until he does. Type shit. It was good, my sister. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I dug it. I dug it. So you might not think you're doing your best, but we gonna give some clicks, okay? We gonna give Thank some you. clicks. Uh, Montrez, how about you? Okay, so yes, if you've read Errant, romance is not a big portion of that. Um, I do have some like more um, fantasy, romanticy stuff coming, 
But I think for me, what helps me with um, romance or any other type of relationship, I like to focus on love because there are so many ships outside of romance or even elements of romance. If you just focus on like those different types of relationships, like bromance, who doesn't love a good bromance? Um, found family. You know, there's so many things in fantasy outside of romance or that complement romance. Um, so for me, if I add romance, I try to make it a more genuine, natural and realistic element. I'm not going to try to force it because I too prefer, I'm more comfortable writing like the action, the adventure, the magical elements. And so for me, I just want to make sure that it's a genuine, realistic type of romance. I don't just want to throw it in there. Like in um, my book, Errant, she's still learning, the main character is learning to love herself you know so her even recognizing the signs that somebody may be into her like for the first half of the book she thinks this guy hates her and that's why he's so quiet and silent and stuff and so you know making sure that any romantic element is genuine it's realistic it's not forced and then having fun adding all those other ships because even with romance you know you're not on an island especially if the world is ending so there's other things that you can add, other elements that I like to explore as well. So I try to focus on just love and then in the romance, making it genuine. Um, so, yeah. And that's a, that's a good one. I really appreciate that. Cause like you said, bromances and sisterhoods and brotherhoods are, you know, they encompass love and not just the sexual romance part of something that's so that's really really good um I won't take too long on my answer because we'll do the um the winner reveal in a moment um but romance for me um for Wolves of Duty which is the book that you receive if you win um romance was more a part of the plot at this point not because it was about their love but it was more so about what loving someone properly allowed her to become so it wasn't just, oh, I need to love this guy and now we're in love, we're together. It was more, wow, once I've discovered a true love, an unselfish love, a genuine love, what am I going to have to go up against to protect that at all costs? And where that kind of gets a, a mix up with some people, because, you know, my tagline is um, led by, sorry, sorry, what is it where's the book <laughs> driven by duty <laughs> led by love so her initial drive in life is this but love made her question things but that doesn't mean that the duty isn't still still there hence the title so um where I struggled um with the, the with the romance in honor which is the sequel was that a lot of people were expecting it to be the Aspen and X show and that's not what it's about anymore you know, she loves him, that's great, but there is a bigger, wider reaching plot going on here now where we'll love each other later. But as Jessica said, the world is falling apart. We gotta fix it. Ain't nobody got time for this. Like, do you know what I mean? So that was a that was a big thing. Um, but I'll stop there. So where's our question? So we'll hide that. Are we ready to share our winner, guys? Give me a give me a and excitement so I'm gonna try and do some techie stuff yay clicks thank you thank you um I'm gonna try and do some tech techie stuff so bear with me share screen hopefully this will just work fine share 
All right, everyone, let me know if you can see it as well, yeah? Can everyone see this wheel? Oh, hold on. Oh, wait, hold on. No, not new tab. Right. Yeah, unmute and just let me know you can see it when I'm on a different tab. You can, yeah? All right. So just in the idea that everybody can see it. I can't see it. You can't see it. Okay, so sharing this tab to StreamYard, view tab. I'm assuming everyone else can. It says, oh, donut. I have to add it to stream. Oh, there you go. Right, yes. can we see it now? Yes, we can. Okay, cool. Let's go. Let's take these ads away because fuck these businesses. All right, so we're ready. I'm just going to click it. First person. So just so people know, um, these are the people who we've collated, who we believe have done all the points. So they followed somebody. So they, they followed all the um, giveaways. I can't think of the word. Um, they've tagged and then a share is like a bonus. So we will do the name. And if you've done all those things, then you will be a winner. If you've not done all those things, then we may have to spin again. Okay. So just so everybody's clear. Three, two, one. Let's go. It's tense, guys. It's tense. Who do we got? Oh, oh, oh. Hey, we have a winner. Mad.eve.p is our winner. I'm going to take a screenshot of this just so we all know. Hold on. Let me go back here. Stop sharing. All right. Is everybody back in? We're all clear now. There's no sharing. Good, 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 good. Okay. So that is our winner. Congratulations to mad.evp. Um, I will obviously put that on Instagram to, um, what, what's the word? To notify you. I can't find my words today. Um, to notify you um, about your, um, you know, giving us your address or where you want us to send the, the prizes and all those kind of things. There may be some swag depending on what other people are doing. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for everybody who has joined today live, everybody who is just watching this maybe afterwards. We appreciate you so much. I appreciate everybody joining today. Montrez, Margaret, Shalina, Katrina, Jessica. Don't know Moreau's first name, but we love you too. Thank you so much. Remy. <laughs> Remy? Yeah. Oh, Remy, good. I did hear you. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us, Remy. And thank you for everybody for even taking part on the giveaway. It's a lot to follow people and tag and all that good stuff. But this was a wonderful talk. And I hope, you know, after giveaways, people just like unfollow other people. But I hope everybody who has followed stays for the ride and stays for the show because we'll do more things like this and we'll have fun and we'll just, you know, celebrate in our blackness and our womanness and it will just be a wonderful thing so thank you all for joining i hope you had a wonderful time um me and the girls are gonna have a little cool down after this um but thank you so much for joining and we'll speak to you all again soon Bye bye, bye.